your passion and purpose with Patty. I am Patty Stulen and I'm the Chief Pathfinder of Pathways with Patty. And uh, I have to say, before we get started with our wonderful guest today, I know it sounds like I just woke up. I did not. Uh, I'm having a bit of an allergic, uh, it's, it's seasonal allergies, you know, and many of you out there right now, you can definitely relate to all of that. So uh, it doesn't matter how much I've talked already this morning. Uh, that's what's going on. But it just gives me that really nice baritone sound, doesn't it? So uh, with that, uh, we have once again, a wonderful guest with a great message. And uh, I would like to introduce our guest right now. This week's guest is Daniela Hartman. Her um, lifelong passion is to study and navigate cultures, work environments, political and spiritual belief systems worldwide. Having worked as a journalist, United Nations employee, and immersed herself for over 20 years in Tibetan Buddhist philosophy, she has lived in eight countries in four continents and traveled all over the globe. She now has woven the strands of her learnings and experiences into the grid blueprint to assist high-performing leaders and game changers in their field of expertise to actualize their individual recipes of inner truth and guidance. In close collaboration with her clients, she guides their exploration of their personal notions of grid, growth, responsibility, integrity, and diversity to embody authentic, heart-centered leadership in a rapidly changing world. Well, Danella, I'll tell you what, I am so excited for you to share all of this with our audience today, and it is a pleasure to have you as my guest today. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh. Um, it's a beautiful autumn day here in uh, Munich, Germany, so I'm I'm doing great. Excellent. You can't get much better than that now, can you? No. Well, um, I'd say let's get into how you discovered your passion and purpose. Uh, share a little bit about yourself and your story uh, and how you found your way through all of it to where you are today. Well, I discovered my passion of living a very international life already with my parents. Um, they got me moved the first time when I was three months old. And the second time when I was six months old, and then from we that time we moved from Germany to France, and it just continued on like that. Um, they moved obviously a lot and uh, got me into international schools, and I just love to explore the human experience. Um, if you and you travel just as much as I do, um, and I've lived in so many different places, and so have you. We all come down to a sort of common humanity. Mm -hmm. about what people need and want and expect from life right. and to explore then the different ways of how people design their lives, what's important for them. Um, that is something that I just find absolutely fascinating. Well, it, it is fascinating as you and I have discussed just a little bit. Um, it's it's so wonderful to get out of your own little bubble of the world and see what is happening in the rest of the world. We know that there's a lot of not nice things that are happening, but it's nice to get out there and meet 
all the people that are making a difference in the world and see the beautiful things and cultures, whether it's religious or economic or any of the things that are out there, food, uh, places, all of it. I, I know for me, it, it just, it excites me. Exactly. And, and what I just found in all of that, that it's so interesting to experience oneself. And this is why I'm also so passionate about authenticity to find our own recipe of life, you know, and to maybe mm -hmm. taste a little bit from this culture or that culture or this person that we meet or, and, and then we find out who are we actually and how right. do we connect to all of these people? Mm -hmm. How can we have these heartwarming conversations? You know, how can we expand through connecting with others? But what I found is we need to be really nicely anchored in ourselves, first of all. We, we need to understand ourselves, first of all. And then it's, um, it's just such an exploration to go out there and expand with others. Yeah. Um, so was it from an early age that you kind of discovered that you had a passion for helping other people? Or is that something that developed over time? Or when did you realize that that you had this passion for helping others? Well, I had a, a beautiful grandmother. She, she was like, you know, my hero, who um, was so kind and always so warm hearted and so inclusive and so allowing, especially of us um, as uh, her grandchildren, but to everybody. Uh, there's a, a flower, I think it's called Gerbera, and uh, it sometimes mm. has like a metal thing stuck to its head you, to keep it up. Mm -hmm. And she would actually even take that out, you know, so the, the flower wouldn't be hurt. Oh, okay. And I just realized, because we moved so, ma so many times, how important it was to be seen, to be heard, to be validated as a person um, in order just to flourish and to develop and to grow, especially in, in childhood. And it kind of felt important to me to give that to other people as well, you know, to have that openness and that allowance for others to feel safe when they're around me. Mm -hmm. And so, so through, so it came from, <laughs> so basically because of the people that you were surrounded with that helped lay that foundation because you saw that passion in other people in your life, specifically speaking about your grandmother, that that really showed you what it looked like to be passionate towards other others and to also care about them. Yeah. And it just feels true, you know, compassion and kindness it just feels more true to me than being harsh or mean. I mean, obviously I've, I have my days and I have many of them. Mm -hmm. um, but when I do, when I go into, into these more, let's say challenging moments and I react aggressively or angry or whatever, and I hurt other people, it hurts me. That is something that I understood very early on that um, there is a reflection then that that's happening. And that I just, I feel better if I'm compassionate and kind and warm-hearted. So it, it might even be quite selfish. Well, you know, it's one of those things too that um, depending on the experiences that we do have in our life and we cannot help the environment from having its effects on us, whether that be positive or negative. The, thing, the fact that you recognize when you are having those not so nice moments 
that speaks volumes. Uh, and so does that come from, from uh, how you were raised or just things that you noticed about how people treated you and you, you learning how you wanted to be treated or not treated and knowing how to treat others? Well, there, there was a moment, um, I mean, as, as uh, in the introduction we talked about, I, I was for a while working with the UN and um, I had other environments as well. Well, I was quite challenged. Uh, I was challenged in my integrity at the UN as a very interesting and, and great organization in, in my mind for many reasons, very, very complex. So there's good sides and bad sides and a lot of different people working on very, very difficult subjects. Um, but in this complexity, there was challenge for me. And so the question for me was, yes, I want to be compassionate. I don't want to be angry. You know, I want to stay in my heart and in my integrity. How do I do that in these challenging moments? And I couldn't really find a system around me uh, that could support me or give me a path. And this is why I went into Buddhism because their path is quite clear on meditation, introspection, contemplation, and taking responsibility for our own mind and for our own perception. And of course, outside influences are there, outside influences, you know, mold who we are, absolutely. But we have a certain degree of freedom within that, how we deal with things, you know, there is, mm -hmm. if we're aware of ourselves, there is a moment where we can say, oh, I, I'm, you know, I, I want to react this way, or I want to be kind, how can I do that? How can I, you know, work with my perception? So that training, um, I, I lived in a monastery in South India for more than eight years, that really helped me to, to hone in on that. And then I, I still worked in the field of translating for another 12 years. So, so yeah, that's real well, training. So, so, I mean, with the, the challenges and obstacles that you've mentioned, did you find that, that, some, that there were um, places in your life where you found that you had lost your, your passion and purpose and, and uh, on your life's journey? Definitely. Um, there was this one moment again at the UN and it was all about, I was working with UNAIDS, so it was about HIV and AIDS and access to medication and who could get it and who could not get it. And again, it's very complex. I'm not faulting anybody in mm -hmm. that. Um, right. But, you know, there are many different interests and very many different uh, big players in it. But that people couldn't get medicine in the way that they required in order to be well uh, because of certain obstacles mm -hmm. that was very difficult for me because i was confronted with these people i worked with these people on an everyday basis right i saw them mm -hmm. and then um i was working on charitable projects all the time even in the monastery and then uh, for nepal for a very remote area called dolpo and there were also a lot of um challenges in working charitably but you know the western sponsors would have an idea about how they do it the mm -hmm. nepalis would have certain needs and the communication was often so disturbed or unclear because you know the, they didn't want to get the sponsors angry and the sponsors wanted to help but they didn't know the uh, environment mm -hmm. so often there were moments where it's like in the middle of all of this <laughs> and um, not being able to navigate it always properly and 
that sometimes is very painful, you know, because you see right. feelings hurt, even though everybody wants to help. So I had to go back into myself and see, okay, what do I really want? And how do I communicate that? How do I connect authentically without letting all the noise and all the wishes of other people disturb me and then have clarity that I can then bring out to others? Mm-hmm. So this is why authenticity is so important to me. You know, it's it's interesting that you just mentioned about, you know, knowing that because of political issues or other issues that, that you were dealing with, that you want to help so many people that need the help so badly. And because of, you know, particular things, whatever that may be, that is not possible. It reminded me of one of our future guests that was going to be coming up here in a few weeks. She's down in Mexico and she was talking about how during um, COVID time where, you know, a lot of us in the United States were really griping and complaining about not getting enough of the, the vaccine out. And she said it was so interesting to be down in rural Mexico knowing that at least we were here in the United States, we were getting the vaccine, maybe not, you know, the double dose or whatever, maybe they weren't getting anything down in Mexico. And no matter what they were doing, because there was just all of these things that were were happening that they just weren't getting it. And that reminded me how how we need to really be grateful for the things that we do have, because there's so many people in the world that don't have running water. They don't have a roof over their head. They don't have the vaccines for a worldwide pandemic. And I, I, I know I can only speak for myself and, and for many of us here in the United States, we just really take a lot of these things for granted. And you working in the UN, I could see where you would lose your passion and purpose because you are wanting to help all of these people, but knowing that you are one person and there is a lot of political games that have to be played, that that would become very discouraging. It yeah, Definitely. And then I kind of also understood a lot of other people in these same leadership positions. And this is why I kind of decided now to take what I've learned in these 20 years of Buddhism into a leadership level, a lot of people get into these moments where integrity is being pulled into question. You know, we all have mm-hmm. our values, even you know, on an everyday level also sometimes. We have our right. values, we stand up for something. It's very important to us, but you know, outside circumstances don't always allow for that with the people we live with or mm-hmm. whatever it is. So to come back to that and to find ways of of living that or articulating it, I often found also sometimes people don't um, deeply connect to themselves or get blocked somewhere and then they can't articulate what they really need. So with my clients, that's what I do. First of all, it's like almost archaeology, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) psychological archaeology. What are you standing for? What is that important for you? Just as you asked me, you know, how how did you find out that compassion was important to you? You know, who are your mm-hmm. role models? Mm-hmm. So these things actually make our life then more self-determined or more self-empowered. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what I feel, at least, uh, a lot of people are looking for right now. So if I can back up just a little bit, what was it? 
that intrigued you or got you interested to even, <clears throat> excuse me, want to, uh, it, it like in the introduction, it says, immerse yourself in, over 20 years in Tibetan Buddhist philosophy. What was it that drew you to that? Well, I found that I saw some of the teachers, um, they embodied what I wanted to have, you know, this absolute presence, this confidence, um, this all-encompassing compassion, you know, that would be compassionate even in, under the most difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I could see, yeah, that was a training and it is a deep dive into our own mind, you know, and our own perception and our consciousness. And somehow that interests me. Philosophy interests me a lot. So I thought, okay, let's just go to a monastery for three months. That was mm -hmm. my idea. Mm -hmm. I, I was in between jobs. I had to break up, you know, the usual thing, you know, mm -hmm. find your way again. And the moment I was there, I could see there were 3,500 monks and 700 nuns. So we're talking, wow. you know, a town. Yeah. All practicing, all meditating, all reading these uh, texts, you know, about how to generate bodhicitta or, you know, the, the mind of enlightenment, how we create compassion. How do we understand our essence as something that is ever changing? Our consciousness is this ever changing thing that <laughs> mm -hmm. is connected to everything and everybody so how does actually even every word that we're uttering right now has some sort of uh, result to it you know some sort of effect mm -hmm. uh, what is my responsibility in that then if I understand that you know how can I then hone my mind so mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt or it doesn't harm uh, but benefits mm -hmm. and to see that actually all of these people were working on this and that there are these teachers who embody that, that was just absolutely and utterly fascin fascinating for me. And this is why I stayed for so long. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, um, I'm assuming there's people from all over the world that, that are there. So, I mean, in, in essence, that's almost like a little United Nations right there because there's people that are looking for enlightenment from all over the world to take back to their, their part of the world. Is that what you found? Not where I was. There's a place where the Dalai Lama lives. Mm -hmm. um, that That's more international. I was in gotcha. the south of India, in the middle of nowhere, really. It was a, a part, uh, a land that was kind of unused before, and it was given by the Indian government to, to the Tibetans. So mm. there's also, you need a certain permit to even go there. So I mm -hmm. had to renew that every year. But it was tough. There was no uh, coffee shop. There was no real <laughs> restaurants. There was absolutely nothing to do. Um, and the monks and nuns didn't care about me. Um, mm. As long as I didn't do anything bad, um, I was kind of in the back row. So, and I had to learn the language. It took me three years to learn the language at all to be able to attend the classes in Tibetan. Oh my gosh. Uh, so there was absolutely no infrastructure for Westerners. There are monasteries like that. In, in Kathmandu, I know some, they, uh, they do have international programs, but this one did not. And, and what intrigued you about, well, first of all, how did you find this one? And then what was it that intrigued you so much about going to this one, especially since there was a language barrier? Um, I got there through a friend, uh, a Tibetan friend who lives in Switzerland, and he recommended it to me. Mm. Um, and I honestly, I don't even, I can't even give you like an exact answer. I just felt at home. 
Mm-hmm. It's all I can tell you. It mm-hmm. just made my heart sing. Mm-hmm. I love the simplicity of the life. I mean, I lived in one room for years, mm-hmm. uh, and and you live in a in a mobile home. So, you, or how how's it called? A motor uh, home. <laughs> motor home, exactly. <laughs> so you you understand also the beauty of having uh, a space, you know, that that is not too large, but where you can be fully yourself. Mm-hmm. So I I enjoy that, but um, I didn't have any any luxuries that uh, we have in the West. Um, but I, I cannot tell you exactly. It was just where I, I was supposed to be. That's how it felt. And, and at the end of your time, I mean, and then when you decided to leave, was it just that because you felt like you had, you had learned all that you needed to at that time and it was time to go? Or what was it that you finally realized this, my time here is done? Well, the main teacher passed away. Uh, he was called Pino Rinpoche. He had passed uh, two years before I left, but things changed during that time a little bit, just the essence of it. And I had met uh, a young Lama, a young uh, Tibetan teacher who was uh, expanding his work. He was Nepali originally. He had come there to study. And so I supported him then for another more than 10 years. Mm in translating for him, oral translation. We did a documentary about um, his return to this remote area in Nepal called Dolpo. Mm. And I supported him in opening up his associations in Germany and Switzerland and his charitable Mm. work. Wow, that's fascinating. So um, what, even though, and we'll get into your other programs, but was that all those teachings that you you received during that time, is that the basis or foundation of the programs that you you developed? Yes, um, absolutely. Um, the foundation, the worldview and the philosophy, but also, of course, my own life experience um, as a Westerner. Um, and what I've also looked up in or studied in the field of modern psychology I put that in as well. And then we had a huge um, earthquake in Nepal 2015. I don't know if you've heard about it or remember that it's eight years ago now, so it's Mm -hmm. quite a while. Uh, But then I started to work with trauma, which uh, which fascinated me also. And with in my time when I was a translator, I also worked with a lot of people who had, you know, psychological difficulties or challenges and who went into Buddhism in order to uh, to get support there. So there was a lot of, yeah, psychological support that I've been giving for, you know, 10, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. But then I thought when I, when I came back here for COVID during the COVID time to support my parents, I saw so much need and so many people asked me and said, hey, Daniela, you know, can you support me with that? So the foundation is Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But you don't need to be Buddhist. It's absolutely common sense. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually just psychology and common sense. So tell us how, how you came about and developed the grid blueprint. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, or my mentor also uh, called Katrina Freya. We talked about, you know, what can we do? People need a parent, need support, need to find the connection to themselves. 
um, befriend themselves. That's also something that I found. There's a mm -hmm. lot of self-hate in the West. Mm. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, feeling uh, unhappy with oneself, self-berating. Um, so how can we develop that? So we went into uh, the basis of, of Buddhism uh, and what I'd learned, and we made it into the grid. So G is growth. It's a looking into how have we become who we are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think, you know, we just grow, we grow up. But there are so many different factors, so many moments where we took decisions or decisions were taken for us that uh, got us into a certain direction. And each of us, we have our own recipe of, you know, what motivates us, what blocks us, what supports us. So when we know this recipe of ourselves, we can actually use change for growth you know we all change mm -hmm. all the time and a lot of people are afraid of change but actually it's a treasure mm -hmm. you know every single day every you know moment we can use to um put our life in the direction that we want so this is how we use the buddhist uh concept of impermanence that everything changes all the time and that we can use the present moment and then responsibility the r of grid is being aware of our own mind of our decisions and really take responsibility for ourselves and not blame anybody else for what happens to mm -hmm. us and how we react it's sometimes a bit harsh in the beginning but we do have a choice in the moment um right. sometimes not at the outside uh, influences but we have a choice of our mind and when we can tame our mind work with our mind be aware we can uh, start working with that um, and I, I just love that because I can see, I, I work with my clients, I talk with them about the two kind of uh, voices. Mm -hmm. And I believe our core always has a kind voice. And then there's the harsh voice, right? Mm -hmm. So I let people sometimes just look for two days. You know, what does your kind voice say? Have a nap when you're supposed to have a nap, you know? Right. Eat the chocolate cake when you want it. You know, do what feels good for you and see how you blossom mm -hmm. um you know it doesn't need, mean and then people think they're going to get lazy or procrastinate but actually normally they don't you know usually they just feel freer right. yeah but that's our that's responsibility working with our mind and then i is integrity what are our values and how do we live them in everyday life is to take a deep dive into that and d is diversity um the different people that we are right i mean we are, mm -hmm. all of us are a child to somebody or we're a child to somebody. We're a friend, we're an employee, maybe we're an employee, maybe uh, we're a client somewhere. And every time our personality changes a little bit and we can also start to master that. And then how do we work with all of these different cultures and um, places that we are and circumstances that we're faced with, but stay in our integrity. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I explore with people step by step. And that's great fun because I can see, you know, when people start to have an understanding of themselves, there's this beautiful quote by, by Ram Das uh, saying, we're all just walking each other home. Mm -hmm. So this is what I do with people. I walk them home to, to themselves. And I could see clients, you know, really blossom that when they started to find their voice, they could actually start to design their life the way they want it. Now, do you have a specific uh, timeline that you you do the grid with everybody or is it 
each individual person on on their own path, their own journey, however long it takes them? I usually don't go under three months. Usually mm -hmm. six months, I think, is the best. Oh, okay. Uh, because it's really an evolution, and I want to give people space. Um, there's something in, in Tibetan, the way we study, in Tibetan Buddhism, the way we study, it's called te sam gom. And te means, first you study something intellectually, you know, like a self-help book or, or something like that, you know, a new mm -hmm. concept. But then the next two steps, I think, are crucial. The next one is contemplation. What really fits for you? You know, what, what is, what resonates? What is really part of your life? What can you use of these things you've just learned? And mm -hmm. how, how you can use them? So that's mm -hmm. contemplation. And then uh, some is often, uh, or gom, sorry, is uh, meditation. It's often translated as meditation, but it really be means to become familiar with it. Mm -hmm. So it's embodiment, integrating it. So even when we know, okay, this or that behavior isn't good for me, we can know it intellectually, we can contemplate and say, really, it's not good for me. But then we have to substitute it with another kind of behavior, you know, or <laughs> figure out, you know, why do we do it? What can we do instead? So this embodiment, this integration, I think is crucial. So in the grid uh, blueprint, do you find that there is a specific area that uh, is a little more challenging for most people than other parts of it? There is this moment, usually during responsibility, when we look at certain habits, um, and there's something in psychology we call it secondary gain. So for example, I had a, I had a client who liked to go into victim mode. You mm -hmm. know, people were not answering to her the way she wanted her employees wouldn't show up when they were supposed to show up. And then we went into what is the secondary gain of feeling like a victim? Mm -hmm. Because then it was always everybody else's responsibility. You know, she mm -hmm. was doing everything right and that things didn't work out was due to everybody else not showing up or mm -hmm. not doing their part. Mm -hmm. And when we got into this point, <laughs> there's often a bit of resistance because these old patterns have protected us in a way mm -hmm. well or not well that's another thing and to take responsibility for that to actually sit down this is what I did with this client of mine to put up proper boundaries you know to figure out when is somebody supposed to be in the office and when not and to enforce these uh, boundaries it was painful for everybody because they didn't know how to do it in the beginning. But then, you know, everybody started to take their own responsibility and things got better. And when things went wrong, she had to also stand up for it and she couldn't just blame it on her employees. Mm -hmm. But these moments when patterns have to change and this integration phase, that can be quite challenging. And mm -hmm. when as a coach, you kind of call them out on it. Mm hmm. That's not always the biggest love moment, but usually <laughs> um, they figure out quite, quite quickly that it's for the, you know, that it's a good change. So basically you're holding a mirror up to them and they're having to look at themselves, which is not always an easy thing to do. No, no. And yeah, to let go of this protection, these many of these negative habits have a sort of backstory and mm -hmm. to look at them can be very painful. 
Sure. So do you do you work with groups of people or individual or a little of both? Usually individual, because mm -hmm. I, what I found or what at the moment is the best way for me is to really give a safe space. And mm -hmm. in a group, it's not always that easy right. unless people really get to know each other and have been together for a while and they do feel like they can open up. Mm -hmm. But we, especially when we get to these painful things, mm -hmm. uh, these painful habits, um, I find it better one-on-one -on -one. that it's just, yeah, us. At the moment, that's what I find the easiest. When when you're working with people and and they realize or discover this painful moment that they perhaps have, you know, shoved down or... Or, or just put aside, do you find that that's kind of their aha moment that from that point forward, it's kind of like the flow of energy and everything that you're working with them about seems to move along more quickly because of that aha moment? Absolutely. I mean, there's uh, a moment always of, of self-forgiveness, um, of forgiveness maybe of other people who were involved um, wherever this pattern comes from. And, um, you know, sometimes it's also just inner child work. I take people often into just meditations and yeah, somatic work. Yeah, how mm -hmm. does it feel in the body? Just to be able to stay with feelings that are uncomfortable mm -hmm. um, and to kind of burn through them or see, yeah, it's uncomfortable maybe to, you know, get your employee to come at the right time and not be the nice boss mm -hmm. because you know maybe we've learned that when we stand our ground we get attacked or yelled at or whatever that that was what happened with my client you know she mm -hmm. got backlash as a child whenever she stood up for herself um and how does it feel now as a grown-up you know can I now right. do certain things that were painful or maybe even dangerous when mm -hmm. I was younger, how could that be safe now? So it does take a little bit of time. And yes, when the aha moment is there, then it flows. Do you That's work, do you work with people of all ages or do you find that the majority of your, uh, uh, of your clients, they are, they're of a certain age area? I would say over 45 mm -hmm. usually, mm -hmm. because then, you know, often certain things have accumulated Right. To a certain point that they do want a change. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so that in itself, if they're wanting to work with you, they they understand they already know that something needs to change in their life. Correct. Definitely. Because I, I, I do go quite deep with them. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely. It's yeah, it's it's not um, it's not. Too, yeah, it's it's not it's like, not like one, somebody's two, four steps. steps. It's not like somebody's forcing them because somebody else knows they need a change. Because I know a lot of times as people get older, they think, well, this is just the way that I am, you know, love, love mm. me or leave me type of thing. And so what makes the difference is the fact that these, that these individuals are coming to you because they know they need and want a change in their life. Definitely. And they want to take charge of their life. Mm -hmm. They need to be willing to say yes I, I want to I want to be self-empowered. I want to understand myself. I want to feel myself. I don't want to feel anymore like being stuck in a life that's not really mine. 
you know, mm -hmm. or stuck in a relationship that, you know, doesn't fully fit. I always take this example of having clothes you, you kind of grew out of maybe, you know, maybe mm -hmm. a certain lifestyle was great when you were 25, mm -hmm. but not anymore now. Or maybe, you know, even a marriage or a relationship, a career. And when this feeling of, you know, you're uncomfortable, but you don't really know how to get out or what else you could put on instead, that's when I come in. And that's mm -hmm. because the moment you connect to yourself, you get self-empowered and then you can have presence. You know, you can be confident because you can connect with yourself, first of all, then mm -hmm. start to articulate yourself and then connect to others properly and with clarity and then to the outer world. You know, I always say authenticity breeds coherence and coherence then breeds accountability and responsibility and integrity. Mm -hmm. So, so if I kind of he hear, you know, what, what we've talked about so far is it almost sounds like everything that you were experiencing when you were working with the UN that by, by studying um, the Buddhist philosophy that you discovered the same things of the grid that you, that you created. So the things that you were looking for and searching for you found, and it, is that ultimately how, how you created the grid blueprint then based on where you were, what happened with you during your time with the, the Buddhist, uh, culture and what you do for others now? Definitely. Um, definitely. That's the main point that I saw. It works for me. That is something mm -hmm. that I embody and that I can transmit, you know, knowing full well that it works. Um, mm -hmm. And the other thing is during the COVID time, I came back to Germany in 21 again to take care of my parents. But then everybody asked, you know, they had been often uh, by themselves for a few months or even a year by then. And I saw it work for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and they talked then to their friends and said, hey, you know, have a conversation with Daniela and she can help you with meditation and she can uh, help you look into certain areas of your life more deeply. So I basically did that pro bono for quite a while. And I saw, oh, wow, you know, it, it really helps. Again, the openness needs to be there. Mm -hmm. That's uh, a foundational point. And then I saw, yes, it also takes time because certain people... They start, they do it for like a week or two, and then something happens and they get distracted. And three months later, they call me and say, hey, you know, it ain't really working. Let's try mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So the consistency, I do think, is is important. Well, I think what's really great is knowing that um, this is not just a, something that you just put together just because, oh, I think this will be good for people. You You lived it. You, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, you practice what you preach. Uh, and because of that, because you know where you were and where you are now, it makes it easier for you to connect with people because you know exactly the benefits of, of the grid blueprint. Absolutely. And it's just such a joy to see. I, I'm, maybe it happens to you too when, when you work with people. The moment people feel at home with themselves... Mm -hmm. The moment they see themselves with, you know, all the good, the bad, whatever, you know, but mm -hmm. they suddenly are in their body and they have, they're in their own power. It's just such a gift. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that is really what motivates me to kind of see people, wow, you know, mm-hmm. they're suddenly taking charge of their life. They're suddenly themselves. They found their voice. They, you know, found their passion again in life. Right. And then, you know, so many times and maybe it happened to you too. the moment they voice, the moment they are there in their power and in their beauty, things click around them, too. Mm-hmm. People listen, you know, people react. Uh, doors open, um, mm-hmm. situations happen, you know, that just weren't there before, or maybe they weren't seen, but, you know, and if I, if I finish working with people after these three or six months, often it's, it's really a different person or a more embodied person. Right. Right. Um, in your program with meditation, I know there's so many, uh, people that talk about the benefits of meditation what can you tell uh, tell our audience a little bit about what are the benefits of meditation and what are some of the ways uh, that they can do meditation? So in, in uh, Tibetan Buddhism, we, we again talk about three things. Three is a very important number, but it, it's called uh, um, view, meditation and action. So the view is to sort of see why are we doing this, you know, and, and how does our mind actually work? So it's to kind of understand the flowing nature of our mind intellectually, mm-hmm. first of all, and then go into the meditation and maybe the different parts, what I do when part, people start with, I mean, one can do whatever kind of meditation and I've done it for so many years, I can teach all sorts, but the first one is to befriend ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's to kind of understand, yeah, my mind is something that creates my world all the time. You know, we Mm -hmm. all have judgments all day long and ideas and we grasp and we have perceptions and understandings of things. And it, it, every second it's, it changes. So how do I start to befriend it? How do I become even aware of what I'm feeling, of what I'm thinking and where it is leading me? Right. Right. Um, and to, to become friends with ourselves and with our body and to understand for five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, where I am, who I am, you know, what do I embody right now? And I say, always say that after a little while, when you do that, you become your own sanctuary because we start to feel ourselves more and mm-hmm. we can start to come back to a place of safety in ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, of groundedness, mm-hmm. of awareness. And we can start to be the observer of the world that we're in and we can start to choose on how we react. So it's, it's a really cool process. Mm-hmm. And again, in, in Tibetan Buddhism, often it's, we call it to become familiar and then we can work on certain uh, emotions or on compassion, on love, on what that means to us on how to strengthen that and so on. Mm-hmm. And then the next point is action. So it's again, view meditation and then action. How do I bring it into the world? Mm-hmm. You know, how, what does it mean? Um, so the way, again, how I, I teach meditation is set an intention. Why are we doing that? And you know, what, what's happening here with our mind practice. And then how do we become this observer of our mind during everyday life? How do we become the master of our mind in everyday situations? So that's action. Yeah, that's what I do. So so with all of that, how does someone like me who um, when I when I am attempting 
to do a, a meditation, I cannot seem to get the thoughts to stop. I mean, is meditation where there is nothing going on in your brain or with, with me, what, what, what do I do with all these thoughts that continue to come across when I'm just trying to silence everything? I, I personally think that silencing your thoughts is completely the wrong attempt. Okay. Um, I don't think it's possible because we do have a mind that is supposed to understand what's happening around us. There's, there's a phrase that I like, which is called open awareness. So what we do is we basically take a step back and we start to be curious about our thoughts. You know, so whatever you think, man, breakfast wasn't enough. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I sure um, am hungry. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, okay, but we don't need to follow it. Okay. And then the next one comes, well, a good cup of coffee would be great as well. Hmm. Oh, I, I should actually call my aunt Erica. Oh, it's on my list. For and it's just like looking without getting too engaged. Mm hmm. Um, and what we, you can take uh, a support like a flower. So you say, okay, my main attention attention stays with a flower. Mm -hmm. And then when the mind goes to the breakfast, it's like, oh, okay, I'm thinking of breakfast. Go back to the flower. Okay. Oh, it's going to coffee. Go back to the flower. And then slowly, there's a little bit of a gap between you and your thoughts, or you become the observer of it. Mm -hmm. And it's not a direct reaction all the time okay i need breakfast okay jumping up making breakfast oh i caught and coffee oh on air you know where's my phone mm -hmm. we start to and then slowly thoughts do get a bit slower okay and they do start to just not be so loud anymore mm -hmm. and the observer gets to be more present and this is what we call presence and i'm sure you've had people who have presence Yes. We're just there, how it feels to be around them. Right. Yes. You're just there. And sometimes I also just work with a body. You know, I ask people to just feel there behind on their seat, mm -hmm. on the earth, you know, give gratitude to being held and supported. That really helps against anxiety. Because mm -hmm. anxiety is often just a lot of thoughts about a lot of weird stuff. Right. Um, you know, which goes into the body and makes us breathe very heavily. And, and it's true. You know, it's a true feeling when you're anxious. It's, it's painful. Mm -hmm. Then go into the body, slowing it down. So there are different ways. But to kind of kill all the thoughts, I, you know, I've been meditating for 25 years. There's always something. Well, that makes me feel a whole lot better. <laughs> I'll tell you, thank you so much for that for validating me on that one um but you know it it i also i have started to find over the past year and a half and uh, one of my guests that i had from season one dr beverly when i was kind of she was talking about meditation also she let she also let me know patty when you go for your walks that is a form of meditation and I, I hadn't, that was an aha moment for me because uh, I really do find that when I am out walking, especially when I'm walking on the beach, which is my favorite, um, my thoughts, as you just said, they are much slower. And I am finding myself that I am more in the moment of what is around me. And I do find that all that outside uh, uh, distraction 
it slows down or I don't notice it so much. So I never, I never took that as being a form of meditation. But once she kind of pointed that out to me, uh, I did start to notice that my walks on the beach or my walks in general, especially if I'm walking by myself, um, that I think that's part of why I felt so much better after I got done with the walk, because in a sense, it was it was my form of meditation or it is my form of meditation. Yeah, it's uh, connecting to yourself. Mm -hmm. And the moment you can connect to yourself and, and you kind of familiarize yourself with that, it becomes a habit. It's really you can find a home in yourself. Again, I, I just love this analogy. Mm -hmm. and people from the outside or situations or bad headlines or a microphone that doesn't work or whatever it mm -hmm. is just doesn't get you knocked over so easily anymore right. yes. and then we can always draw back to this inner sanctuary and you know kind of give it a second you know what do I really think mm -hmm. how does that really feel that this person how this person treated me or how they spoke with me Mm -hmm. And then we get into this moment of action again. And right. we can also hone it, you know, we, we, there you know, meditations on love and, and kindness, for example. And I love those, for example. I, le I let people think about a moment when they experience kindness mm -hmm. and how that just feels, you know, to sit down and just think about how, what was it like last time when somebody was just nice to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it opens our heart immediately. Right. It's, you know, and then we can start to harness these feelings. We can start to be more intentional about our lives and we just don't feel so lost anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, amen to that. Um, very, very true. So what would you um, say, Daniela, is the best piece of advice that anyone has ever given you? Um. I think, let me think for one second, what is the best piece of advice? Um, I do think a lot about, there's this one sentence, everybody wants to avoid suffering and everybody wants happiness or is looking for happiness. And mm -hmm. sometimes when I get challenged, I try to be nice and compassionate, but there are moments where I'm not and people do very weird stuff. And then I think, well, that's their twisted way of looking for happiness. Mm -hmm. um, and that always gets me to be a bit more compassionate. I might still not like what they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's one one thing. Um, and to be kind. Mm -hmm. I think I, I really, really try to be kind because it makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that 100%. I have several t-shirts uh, that say be kind on it. And uh, sometimes I forget that that I'm, I'm wearing the shirt. And in fact, just last week, I was at, at the store and um, I don't remember what the incident was, but it was kind of like I, I helped somebody do something. And that one of the workers says, you're actually practicing what is on your shirt. I think that's great. And I said, what? And she goes, be kind. You, you're being, you were just being kind to that person. And, and I thought, oh, well, yeah. And they go, well, normally people aren't practicing what they're, you know, what they're saying on their shirt type of thing. And, and I, I, I know that when I first started getting these t-shirts, it was just, it, it really was a reminder to me and then hopefully getting the message out to other people because I, 
it shouldn't be such an effort, but it seems like nowadays it is such an effort for people to be kind. So I was glad that I, I was being kind to somebody and I was promoting what was on my shirt, but I was actually doing it. I just, I just wish that there was more kindness in the world. And that's one of my, my hopes, um, from this podcast of doing this podcast and with all of you amazing guests that I have is that people know that there are still lots of kind people in the world. And definitely what I just found, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit impatient and people when they don't move as fast as I would want them to move <laughs> mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm doing all of this very important thing. So, <laughs> and then when I, I, when I realized that, because I'm trying to stay in that observer mode all day, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, just be kind. Yeah. And then I, you know, I actually usually go up and I say, oh, you know, can I help you? Or, can, you know, can I help mm-hmm. you pack your bag? Oh, whatever, you know, right. and then I feel so good. Yes. I feel yes. so good. Yes. <laughs> and if I get angry with a person, you know, and I start mumbling or something, you know, I just feel so bad afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's what the Dalai Lama calls, you know, be be compassionately selfish or intelligently mm. selfish. Mm-hmm. Well, because I will say that when when I left left the store, I, my my whole demeanor, everything was completely different. I mean, I'm kind just because that's the right thing to do. But that because somebody pointed it out that they observed mm. me being kind, it did change everything for me for the rest of the day. It does, doesn't it? Isn't that yeah. beautiful? Yeah, it was terrific. So, Danielle, what would you say that you're passionate about personally and professionally? I think it's really exploring humanity and how how we can actually get along. Um, I always want to look for constructive solutions instead of blaming. Mm-hmm. I found that, I don't know how it is in the US, but in Germany, there's a lot of blame. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody always, you know, it's this part of the society mm-hmm. or that person. Yes. And I lack sometimes this understanding that we're just all humans. We're all just trying so hard to get through the day and, you know, have our family mm-hmm. safe and food on our table and and lead a good life and i think if we would understand that better or deeper we could find better solutions that benefit us all yeah i agree uh what is your per uh, your purpose personally and professionally i think it's to bring people back to their own humanity to their own home so they can know who they are and act in accordance to themselves and i think when people are in harmony with themselves they usually and harmony with their environment as well. Yeah, I agree with that. What would you say is your superpower? Curiosity. Mm. Yeah, I love to explore. I'm wow. not scared. It is, you know, curiosity gets me over fear. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, that that's very and good. Me, that, and that, it makes me connect to others. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Um, how would you say that you're living your best life or like, I like to say living your best dash. Well, my best dash is, is to really be connected to myself and my inner navigation system. So I'm usually hopefully <laughs> quite aware of what is good for me in that moment and what is not so good for me. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm very conscious of what I eat and how much I exercise and, you know, when I relax and what people I'm around and what kind of news I consume to, yeah, just be my best self. Mm-hmm. Are there any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you would like to share with our audience? 
Um, I think, yeah, just be kind, know yourself, go out there and love. It's a cool world, actually, the moment we we get into this curiosity mm-hmm. and listen to Patty's um, podcast regularly. Right on. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for that. Well, Daniela, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. I mean, it it has been a pleasure to to meet with you and talk with you and you share your your words of wisdom and and uh, to bring to our attention uh, about your 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 blueprint and all that goes with that. Um, I know that there's going to be some people that once this episode is finished, they're going to want to connect with you and talk to you more about what we discussed today how can they get in touch with you <laughs> thank you so much well um i i assume my website will be linked so it's thegrid.global and um just look at there and book a free session if you want to i have these um just coffee dates with people that i love to explore also their path as i said i'm very curious so i'm always having a great time meeting with people and exploring what um, what their life path is and if there's anything that I can contribute to support them with that. And yeah, there's also an email that's daniela at thegrid.global and daniela is written the Italian or German way with just one L. That's always the, the difficulty. But thegrid.global, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And uh, for those of you that have been following along with the podcast, you know, and those of you that don't, in the description uh, for this podcast, if you go right to the description, right there is going to be Danella's uh, links that she just talked about. So that way, when you finish watching or, or listening to this, whichever medium you're using, uh, you can go right to the description, hit the link and be able to connect directly to Danella. And Danella, once again, I cannot thank you enough for being here and and sharing yourself and and just being able to be one of those people that you are definitely working on and helping to create a better world, uh, not just for yourself, but for everyone, including me. And I want to thank you so much for your time and being here. Well, thank you so much. And you are definitely creating a better world with this podcast and inviting people on this is just such a wonderful time that we're able to all connect around the same issues so some thank you so much oh you're very welcome and yeah kind of on a side note this is one of the things that just fascinates me about technology because here you are in germany i'm in southern california and we are sharing the same exact moment in time from such a great distance this is where i believe technology is at its finest it is. Well, for all of you out there listening, remember to subscribe and follow this podcast and invite your family and friends to also subscribe to it as well. Uh, and please make sure that you uh, send me a comment or a review on the podcast and because that helps me to grow and make sure that I'm bringing content to you that each and every one of you want to hear. And uh, I know that it's so inspiring to hear people uh, how they are living their lives and how they are creating uh, not a, not just a better uh, passion and purpose for themselves, but helping to create and rediscover passion and purpose in others. So don't forget that you can also check out my website at www.pathwayswithpatty.org. Sign up for a Zoom chat with me or to get my Pathway to a New Beginning Roadmap. So until we meet again, continue to live your best dash. 
and know that life's an adventure and I want you to enjoy the journey because your life matters. Thank you for joining us today and may God bless you all.